0: Christian, but Machiavellian is way of looking at that. So, with that tetralogy, Richard II, Henry IV, William II, and Henry V, we enter the modern world. We go from the medieval world to the modern world. Henry V is Shakespeare's treatment, I think, of the finest king in England. I I only know of one other in my background in history, and I'm not a historian, so my background is not deep. But I would say the two greatest. Christian kings in all of history would have been St. Louis from France and Henry V. If any of you want to see a good movie, watch um, Ronis Henry V. It's a stunning movie, stunning. The, under- the musical score at the end of the musical score is wonderful. Um, so, just for your own information, um, if you're looking for a good movie, Henry V. Kenneth Ronis Henry V. It's a wonderful movie. I've taken a passage from that movie, so it's not a lyric poem, but it's one of those famous passages in Henry V, um, in all of Shakespeare's works on English history. So, and I don't want to go into the background because it's not that relevant here, but um, England's been at war with France for a long time. There are claims on the French throne that the English have that go back a century. And Henry's reasserting his claim on the throne and lands. And the French king is resisting. So they've been at war, they're going to war. This is on the eve of the Battle of St. Crispin on Pageant Court. It's in the north of France. The English forces have traveled there. Henry's um, forces have been reduced to a small number. The French forces greatly outnumbered. So most of the men in the English forces. Know that the likelihood is this will be the last night they will live. So, Henry V, one of the greatest figures mm-hmm. in English history, and what Shakespeare does with it today, gives this speech to his men that evening before battle. Okay? So, I've just taken a piece of it here. If, and by the way, if you didn't know, I've got four handouts here. I've got the, the section from Henry V that we're reading. And there's three sets of notes. One's just a quick overview of um, Dr. Maverick. The other one is a quick overview of uh, Maverick, or a Top Gun one, personally, and the second on two. They're fairly um, detailed. I think they're thorough. Um, If you haven't read them, I would suggest taking them home and rereading them, um, because they'll help you appreciate a lot about the the movie, but you wouldn't, unless you thought about it. So this is. Um, Henry's speech to his soldiers on the eve of St. Christian Day, okay? So, you can read along, you don't have to, you can hopefully just enjoy listening to it. So they're gathered together, the king comes before his men, and Westmoreland says, O oh, that we now had here but one-tenth thousand of those men in England that do no work today, So, if they only had one ten thousandth of the men in England to join them, he said, we'd have a chance in this victory. So, Westmoreland believes they're not going to see the light of the next day. Those are his words, okay, to the group. And this is Henry's, King Henry V's response. Was he that wishes so, my cousin, my cousin Westmoreland? No, my fair cousin. If we are marked to die, we are enough, we are enough now to do our country loss, and if to live, the fewer men the greater share of honor. God's will, I pray thee, wish not for one man more, By Jove, I am not covetous for gold, nor care I who doth feed upon my cross. It yearns me not if men my garments wear, such outward things well not in my desires. The issue for him is not possessing it the lands in France for titles because the English English kings have had this title for a long time. His concern is honor. As, as a good king, he wants to do well. It here me not if men my garments wear. Such outward things dwell not in my desires. But if it be a sin to covet honor, I am the most offending soul of mine. No faith, my cause, wish not a man from England. God's peace. I would not lose so great an honor as one man more, methinks, would share from me, for the best hope I have. But do not wish one more, but rather proclaim it, Miss Morland, through my host, through the whole company, that he which hath no subject to this might let him part, his passport shall be made, and crowns for convoy put into his purse. We would not die in that man's company, that fears his fellowship to die with us. This day is about a loyalty to something larger than the man, and the willingness of men to die for each other. And I hope you see the connection between this and film. We would not die in that man's company that fears his fellowship to die with us. This day is called the Feast of Christianity. He that now lives this day and comes safe home, will stand on the tiptoe when the day is named, and rouse him at the name of Crispian. He that shall live this day, and see old age, will yearly on vigil feast his prayers, and say, Tomorrow is St. Crispin. Then when he stood his sleeve, and showed his scars, and say, These wounds I have on Crispin's day, bold men forget, yet all shall be forgotten, but he will remember with advantages. What feats he did that day. And shall our names familiar with his mouth as household words, Harry the King, Bedford and Exeter, Warwick, Townsend, Salisbury, Gloucester, be in their flowing cups freshly remembered. His story shall the good man teach his son, and Crispin, Crispin, shall there go by from this day to the end of the world. But we it shall be remembered. If you, we have a few, we, we bant of brothers. For he today that sheds his blood with me shall be my brother. Be him ne'er so mild, this day shall gentle his condition. And gentlemen in England now abed shall think themselves accursed that they were not here. And hold their manhood cheap, while he speaks that fought with us, on Saint Christmas Christmas. Match that with ordinary words. England. Anyway, Anyway, I hope you, well, I don't want to go into it, I hope you cut the drift of it. Down. It's men willing to die, a shared honor, the spiritual bonds that they form with each other. And I just don't want it forgotten here before, we, before I give my notes on um, the movie. Henry was a great Christian king. He's going to take lands from France. They're going to war, but they're going to die. If you watch the movie, at the end it gets really broken. Bob, you'll love it. It's bloody, um, and it plays with the Diem, while over the field, while we watch, you know, the, we cast over the field and there are dead bodies everywhere. It's a bloody... But the background of that scene, the, what we've been calling, um, um, the mini, um, It's the private view, remember the lyric view? Um, the mini, and, I can't remember the comes. That music is the lyric equivalent of the lyric voices we've been reading in poetry. It's music, it's not mine, but it's that inward feeling. We've talked about this, right? So you've got this um, scene of outward Adam and deaths everywhere, but that music is an expression of what's going on in the inward part of the soul. It's the lyric voice. Um, It's stunning a TDM to hear it. If you've not seen it, you want to watch that movie. I read this because I couldn't find anything that got close to capturing what I think is the spirit in Maverick 2. So let me turn to that now because I want to, I want to get to the movie. we have got to start So um, I'm going to just do this briefly. I've got it. They use it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Lots of people, lots of people do. It's so famous anyway. By the way, looking ahead, next week, you know, we start Jane Austen. This is a Penguin edition. You don't have to get this. You can use whatever you've got. But this is the one I'll be using. So just for the convenience of staying up on pages you can think about this but any additional do here i want to i want to get it i want to get this done because i want to start the movie so you can we can leave early. <clears throat> early let me have your attention now these are my open introductory marks uh, on marks um, on um all along What's brought us together is my claim, you know, it's a humiliating claim, I think, for most of us, that we don't read very well. We think we do, we're educated, I uh, have a doctorate, we're educated, we leave school thinking, we're knowledgeable And My claim all along is that we don't read very well at all. We don't see very, very well. The whole purpose of the course was to see if we couldn't find Christ at work an ordinary thing is going on in our life. So we're not in church looking at the altar. We're not receiving the Eucharist, the actual presence. Okay. We're not surrounded by church music or, or um, sacred pictures. Michael, I'm so glad to see you. We got set up without you. Oh, God. Ask what? Uh-oh. Did you turn it? Sorry. Yeah. just came in Oh Say it again, Doug. What is it? We you know why. Okay, um, I want to offer these thoughts on the movie we're watching tonight. Um, but I want to put it in the context of the work that we've been doing. We came together to see if we could find Christ. Because we're so used to going to Mass and, and seeing sacred art, pictures, music, the, um, the altar, the Eucharist, the formality of the, of the Mass, its ritual, the way it breaks down. But how well do we see him as out of this? And my claim is difficult. We don't see him very well. So the whole purpose of this literature is to see if we couldn't find God at work in the world between masses or during the week. So let me let me offer you these thoughts. We've been concerned about seeing and reading. you know that I've been saying we don't read well. We are seeing Christ or the Spirit work, not in church. But in our daily lives, how well do we do that in our daily lives? Do we live him? All the priests have at their heart this one purpose to help us live Christ. Um, Do we forget it during the week? How well do we see him? Are we aware of him? That's been the purpose of our coming together. How does this relate to Top Gun Maverick? Here's my claim. And I want to underline this. Anybody, and I'm sorry for those of you who've not seen the movie, the first Top Gun, because if you do, you'll miss part of the point of this gathering. But you'll enjoy the movie. It it stands on its own. It's a really good movie. Um, But here's my claim. Anyone who sees the movie who hasn't seen Top Gun 1 will not see it, however much you'll see it. He'll have eyes to see, ears to hear, and watch it, even enjoy it but he won't know how much he's missing. There are hundreds of things going on before him that he doesn't see, and without which he won't see the fullness of meaning in the Word, or the greater depths of joy or delight that go along with that scene. Remember, the ultimate end of man is to see God. Yeah? The beatific vision. In that scene, the delight will be overwhelming. Like, I assume everybody feels that, right? To see unapproachable light, to actually see the face of God and feel overwhelmed by that joy. So pleasure follows seeing. If we see something good, we take delight in it. Yeah, that's natural for us. Um, he won't know how much he's missing. There are hundreds of things going on before him that he doesn't see and without which he won't see the fullness of meaning in the Word or the greater depths of joy, the delight, the pleasure, that go along with that scene. People are leaving the church. The numbers of nuns are increasing. Why? There's something wrong with the way we're seeing. Because if we're seeing, how in the world can we leave this church? Is there anything greater in the world than Christ? And um, one of the problems is that most people watch movies, you know, and watch a movie and that's yeah. it. It's not going to happen tonight. <laughs> um, there are three things in this movie that I want to affirm straight off. Three things, okay? Hold on. To me, they're at the center of this movie. Um, one is the movie is an affirmation, a celebration of male virtues. And I'm thinking that they come in short supply today. There's very little good about it, said about males, except they're dead and white and should be the way. The movie is a celebration of male virtue and courage. Um, the, the first half of had no woman in the class. This one does. And I think she's a remarkable woman. But the leader is proves with his experience. So we're watching a man in the, in the class that we've been looking at in, in terms of a warrior. He's a warrior. He's a soldier. He goes back to Achilles or, or Henry the Fifth. So the first is we're looking at um, the riches of male uh, male strength curve uh, courage. The second is the inherent superior dignity or power of man over machines. I'll repeat that. It's about the greater worth of human beings over machines. Hitler raised the power of machines to an elevation they've never seen in the world. If you look at the they there, In all the treaties he broke, violating creating this machinery, all these planes and submarines and boats. This movie is saying, no, that there's something superior to man that makes him greater than any machine he can create. St. Thomas said, the greatest thing in creation is the human person. He's greater than all the entire physical creation. One human soul is worth more than everything physical in the earth. And I think he's right. Because the human soul is immortal. So that's the second. Remember in the movie, um, Rooster will say to Maverick, at a crisis, in fact, crisis, I think uh, Maverick says this to Rooster earlier, he said, what matters is the man and the machine, what's going to make a difference. In this movie, it begins with an animal wanting to do away with the men. He cancels the program because he wants to replace it with drones so that human beings are not dying. The whole movie is saying, take humans out of it and machines will never do it. It's a little bit like taking umpires out of sports events and replacing them with machinery. Take that human element out and some of the drama is gone. Take it out of the military so we're just fighting machines and machines are going to rise up against us. I don't know if you've seen that. So the second is that the human person is superior in his dignity to any power that can be created in a machine. It's the man in the box, it's the man in the cockpit, it's the person doing his job the Um Remember, if, I mean, for those of you who've been here for a while, we've talked about that. remember when the city comes into being with Enoch, the first city, the man tries to live on his own, without meeting God. And we talked about the two extremes of the city, it's the tribe, the, the bloodline on one extreme, and um, the empire, China, Egypt. In China and Egypt, it built these great machines, the Great Wall of China, the pyramids. Do we ever learn the name of an individual involved in those tasks? No. The individual only emerges in the poles. We've gone over that, okay? This movie is a reassertion of the fundamental importance of, of each human person. The third thing: man, man's capability of being raised to a transcendent kind of love or power by denying himself and his natural powers. It's a paradox. The movie is about male power, both of them. Talking of one, talking of two. But if you look at the center of the movie, you'll find that one of the hidden I'm gonna say intuition at the center of the movie is um, man's capacity to put himself away for others to self-efface, to deny himself, okay? Um, I'm gonna ask one of my questions that I'm gonna ask after the movie is, in the middle of the movie something happens that actually encapsulates the whole entire movie. If you've read my notes, I don't want you to answer because I gave it away. But I'll come back to it when the movie's over. There's something that happens in the middle of the play that's almost invisible. You don't see it. We don't hear it. And I think it's the center of the play. Or the movie. This is a movie principally about male power. At the center of it is this paradox that that man's greatest capacity is to love, to give up his power for the sake of another man. Quick overview of two movies. I'm going to start the movie. The one, the most important thing that I want everybody to see here tonight is that if you've not seen Maverick 1 or Top Gun 1, you'll just miss a lot. Because Maverick Top Gun takes almost every scene in that first movie and transposes it. Transposes it, changes it, okay? Turns it on its head. So here's the fundamental difference between the two movies. If you watch the two, you know them. the The defining spirit of Top Gun 1 is male egotism. <laughs> male ego. The ability of a man to be better than other mean people. So if you watch the movie, you know that Maverick and Goose, the opening scene shows them showboding, how cool they are. Maverick does this maneuver where he turns upside down his chest and gives the finger to the Russian other him and takes a picture of it. So the opening scene of Top Gun 1 is a maneuver, but showboding. Top Gun, two takes this, Top Gun 2 is going to take every one of the scenes in Maverick in the opening and transform it. So, to see the real meaning of the first third of the movie depends on your having seen Top Gun 1. Okay. First scene in, in Top Gun is cool maneuvering. The first scene, Maverick for himself showing off how cool he is. And the two of them making fun when they have the first briefing with the woman. Top Gun 2. It's a maneuver. They're going to have um, the, Ambokane's going to shut the program down and Maverick has to go out into that jet and reach Mach. They're supposed to reach Mach 9, but he wants to go to Mach 10 to prove to the Atom who wants to close the program down that they can achieve Mach 10. He gets in that machine and he does it. So he does something no other human being has ever done. Why did he do it to show that? He's trying to save a program. Top Gun One, he's being cool for himself. So one of the major themes of the movie is thresholds of man meeting his threshold and going beyond them. What motivates him in the first one is his own ego. He wants to show how cool he is. In the second, he wants to save a program. In the first movie, following his coolest, we're at a bar the next night. I think he's this attractive woman he keeps making plays on her. She keeps rebutting him. He goes. She won't be put off. She goes into the ladies room, and he follows her. So he's baking, breaking another a threshold. He's going into the ladies room. He thinks he's being cool, and she won't be able to resist him. She puts him off again. Second scene in a bar. Maverick trying to be cool, breaking boundaries. Okay. Maverick 2, second scene in a bar. Maverick's in the bar. He's already broken. He's gone back to him. Um, he goes um, into a bar and he sees Penny and Old Love. The two of them are older, worn, good, and he's um, free of the goods. He's not trying to come on to her. She makes it clear that she's going to have nothing to do with him because she loves him. She actually does. And she does something to get him to pay for drinks. He, he says something and she uses it to get him to pay for drinks. When he doesn't have the money, she rings the bell. And what's been going on in the background is the new recruits come in, and Maverick watches these new. He's at the bar. He watches these new recruits come in, and one of them is exactly like him in Top Gun One. Do you remember who that was? Can you? Who's Maverick in, in Top Gun Two? Hangman. Yeah, good for you. Good for you, guy. Oh, Hangman. Did something like with her. Hang hey man, hang hey man. Is he, he comes in, he's, he, in fact, he's worse than man. But he, he, he's cool, he says I'm the best, and he wants to know who can beat him. He just keeps putting people up. Suzanne hated him. I loved him. I just loved him. I, I, I really do. I, every man in that which she hated, I loved it. I'll come to that in a minute. He, he's arrogant, he's full of himself, he's above everybody, he makes that clear. He's going to figure in the rest of the again. No surprise. Yeah, he's very arrogant. Maverick is watching this new crew of recruits come in, and suddenly a younger man comes in, and it's Goose's son, Rooster. Maverick watches him and he turns away because he doesn't want to be seen. Because he knows he killed his dad, or he takes responsibility for his dad's death, and he still hasn't come to drink with So he turns slightly, Goose comes in. Um, yeah. words are spoken between the men because they're all over their own egos, it's just funny to watch. Yeah. And then, um, Rooster, who's his son, goes over to the music box, unplugs it, and goes and sits down and plays the piano. At that moment, Maverick is getting carried out, pinning the woman who's given the signal to toss him because he violated the bar rule. And Maverick is carried out with a huge slump, he's, he's, he's humble, he's not the same man, he's not fighting. He's laughing, he's enjoying it, Penny's waving at him. I mean, it's a shared humility that they're, they're past their pride, in, so they don't have to pick, pick faults with each other. And he, he's taken inside and tossed. And hangman goes to the bar before he tosses and says, Thanks, old man. So they're making fun of Maverick. He's an older man, he's paying the tabs for everybody. They toss him, he's outside. Rooster goes to the piano and starts playing. It's the same song that Goose played in the middle of the top that Maverick stops in his tracks. The music grabs him. It's like his heart goes back to that moment when he and Goose were alive before Goose died. And we're watching a man's heart sink. Everybody inside, happy. Maverick carrying a burden that nobody knows. The next morning, a briefing. So, Scene one in Top Gun, maneuver. Scene two, a bar. Scene three, a briefing. Um, When Matt and Goose come to the briefing, who is it that shows up to instruct them? The woman he was making a play on before. The two of them hang their heads. They're embarrassed. Matt's actually going to contradict her, and it's going to start something testing between the two of them. Those are the first three scenes. First scene in in Top Gun 2, maneuver. He hits an him to save the program. Second bar, um, there's a touching exchange of cards between him and Penny, and he's tossed down. And when he's tossed down, he looks back and he hears um, um, Rooster playing that song. Third seat, the next day, briefing. Exactly like Top Gun 1. Except now, all these young cocky men who think they're the, you know, the world's... Whatever well, you know, happened, uh, they're all waiting for this new instructor who, sh- who shows up to the instruct them, this old man. Maverick walks up, and all the men hang their heads because they get you know, him and tossed it out. Do you see what's happening? Every scene in Top Gun 1 is replayed, but it's transformed. And it's transformed in such a way that we know that that young kid, Maverick, in one, is this older man who's humble and carries a burden while all these young kids are been off and ready to take on the world. Is everybody following? I don't wanna go through the whole movie, but that's what's going on. So the point that I wanna make is this. If you've not seen one, you see that movie and think you've seen it, but you won't. You all know, you know what a panelist is? It's a text, like the Bible, that's written over another text, over another text. This is a palimpsest. It's a it's a story on top of a story. And you can't understand the surface level without understanding the stories underneath it. It's a palimpsest. So everything that goes on in that, in that bless your soul. Um, I've, got, I've got a warm a, a here if anybody needs something. Because I, I know it's cold in here. Is everybody following? Is everybody following? Yes. Um, So, whatever happens on that service, literally, one, two, three, you can go to do one service after service, you can see that the spirit of that first movie has been radically, radically transformed. And nobody who's seen, if anybody has not seen that first movie, they'll miss it. They won't see it. It's like this level of grief. It's buried in what's going on. Is isn't there, but it's there. Quiet, reticent, not speaking, but it's there. So this movie is multilevered, and I'm saying this now because remember, one of the claims that I've been making all along, we cannot read a word well outside of its tradition. The Protestants will pick up a Bible and read a passage and think they got it. Put that same passage into tradition, and that same passage is going to mean a ton more. If you take the thing outside of its tradition, you're going to reduce it. We're not going to see what's there. So I'm back to my original question. We go to Mass, the real presence is in front of us. Are we seeing Christ at work in the world? The major question I'm going to put to everybody when the movie is over is Is Christ present in this movie well, or not? And to make it harder, we started out with Iliad, or some the closest right now. In the Iliad, we're watching a story about. Um, Individual excellence. Achilles is the greatest warrior of the whole war. So have individual excellence, that excellence is not going to be realized until he gives his life up. He goes back to the war knowing he's going to die. When he does that, nobody can touch him. That's a of virtue. Odysseus has to deal with all these seven figures to learn to be lawful. Before he could come back and be the husband to his wife, he could be. It's a radical change in marriage. He's living for somebody beside himself his wife. The Aeneid. Aeneas is giving his life for his city. He's giving his life for something greater than himself. Those are pagan virtues. Is what we're seeing in Maverick pagan or Christian? If we can't make that distinction, what are we doing with the films we watch or the books we read? Is there following It's absolutely crucial to make those distinctions. Can we do it here? This is not going to be, I think it's it's an extraordinary movie. We'll see, are all these pagan virtues? The things that distinguish a Christian from a pagan is faith, hope, and charity. The spirit of those, yeah? And we saw in Dante's The Comedian, Dante was the first modern Christian hero. He went way past what the pagans did. Dante weeps, he falls down and cries. Uh, Beatrice berates him. It humiliated him. He I mean, he can't stand next to Achilles. Odysseus is his. He's a much rather Christian hero. Where are we in this movie? It's an extraordinary movie celebrating um, military prowess, male strength, courage, going to war. It belongs to the Iliad tradition of battles. Is he Christian or not? What are you doing? Okay. That'll be one of the major questions I bring. So let me stop. Unless anybody's got a pressing question, I'm going to get this going. So we're not too late. Any comments or questions before we... Everybody understand what I'm saying about the movie. It's later. We have to understand there's a subject. There's something going on in We've got to feel, or we won't feel the grief or the joy of overcoming or the humility. When... The what what they do at the end, uh, what they come to, the humility they come to. Uh, okay, let me let me stop. No questions or comments or. Okay, I'm gonna start moving. Mike, can you get the lights? When I can you start? Is this table the table's not in the way? Anybody is it? Um, Give me a minute, Mike. You owe me. <laughs> he, even though you gave us that bread, I don't know if the two of you can share that. How you want to do that? But the two of you look freezing. Do it. Oh, you did. You're okay. You okay? Go ahead. Okay. If this works. Oh, now would That would be better if it didn't work. Good. Good. Right. <laughs> you, <yeah>. Oops. <laughs> I was going to say, <laughs> we could all turn con- to a house quiet. and watch it there. Wait. <laughs> uh, Mike, wait one second, can you? Mike, wait one second. Doc. Here, can you turn the hallway light on back there? It's discreet and